This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. to have fun at church. Well, we are celebrating all of the dads and the grandfathers and the fathers-to-be this morning. And those fathers that have already gone on to heaven, man, we celebrate all of them and are thankful for dads. Are you thankful for dads today? Ladies, got a question for you. Do you love men? Come on, listen. I know on Mother's Day, we were all for it. So you gotta be, you gotta be for it on Father's Day. Ladies, do you love men? Yeah. All right, it's, it's, it's literally half the population, so you have to love us. So we are celebrating fatherhood today, celebrating my dad. Um, you know, we are definitely thankful for good dads, hardworking dads, and we need more of us out there doing good things in the world. And so that's what we're gonna be talking about fatherhood this morning. Um, I heard a little while ago that uh, it's actually been proven now that it's actually really good for dads to wrestle with their children. So even before my dad had this data, this information, he took this notion to heart. And we would wrestle all of the time. Anybody wrestle with your kids out there? Come on, it's important important to do. It's necessary. I did it a lot with my girls when they were young. so they're pretty tough, so nobody mess with them. And, uh, but my dad would wrestle with me a lot, and so we would wrestle a lot of times on the bed, just keep it a little bit safer. Um, and then what, one of the moves that my dad would do in desperation, especially as I got a little bit older, that he would take the pillow and he would try to smother me. <laughs> the desperation move as I got bigger, and, uh, but not actually smother me, sort of smother me, and then my mom would get really upset, and in the same way, so I just continued this tradition with my girls, and I would grab a pillow and smother them, and they would be screaming and yelling. And Nicole would not like it, but I would like, this is what my dad trained me to do. So I have to do this with my children. And then my dad and I would, we would arm wrestle. This was one of my favorite things to do. I mean, back in the 70s and 80s, I used to, I, they used to have arm wrestling on television. So big competition. So we always wanted to arm wrestle. And then finally, I want to say I was like about 17 or 18. I legitimately beat my dad at arm wrestling and then I needed new life goals after that but you know I would always hang out with my dad a lot my dad would spend a lot of time with me we would I played a lot of sports growing up and then we would play a lot of sports together so we would play we would wrestle a lot and we would play ping pong we actually had a ping pong table um, in our house and the, the reason we had a ping pong table in our house is one time we actually went to like a silent auction and then so my dad bid fifteen dollars for the ping pong table and nobody else bid. So we got a really good ping pong table for $15. So we would play ping pong all the time. We would play road hockey together. We would play baseball, football. We would golf together. We would just spend a lot of time together talking. And he would come to my hockey games all of the time. And so uh, it's just great to have really good dads. And I am thankful for my dad this morning. But what we need is a bunch more dads, a bunch more dads who are really, well, really excuse me, ready and willing to step up to the plate and take on our God-given responsibilities as fathers and to produce and to, have, to invest into our children, that God wants us to invest into our families as men and, and as fathers. And so it's such a privilege for us to be fathers. It's a gift from God to be a father, and it's a wonderful thing. 
and, and it changes your perspective. And, and, and one of the things you realize when you have a child is that one of the great lessons that you learn is that life isn't actually all about you. And, and this is one of the great things that we get from being a father. So we're just going to talk about fatherhood this morning from the scripture and realize how important it is. Um, one of the things that my dad trained me all the time growing up is that life is all about choices. That, you know, there's going to be some things in life that happen to you that aren't your choice. But the choices that you make with your decisions and your actions and your attitude and your words, that your decisions, your choices will actually take you somewhere that you want to be. And this is what we want to talk about as it relates to fatherhood this morning. Scripture has a lot to say about being a dad, what it means to be a good dad, and what God wants us to provide for our children, things he wants us to teach our children. So let's start reading here in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14. And we're going to be talking about the spirit of fatherhood this morning, the spirit of fatherhood. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14. In the context of the book of Nehemiah, as they were rebuilding the walls there um, in Jerusalem, and Nehemiah was leading a group of people to do that. And in verse 14, it says, After he looked things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Now, this verse doesn't say fight with your families. It says fight for your families. To, to fight for your marriage, that, you know, there's a, there's a lot of enemies to your marriage in the world today. There's a lot of enemies in the world as it relates to uh, things and culture. And there's a lot of enemies um, as it relates to your children and their future. But the scripture is telling us here as fathers, as men, that God wants us to fight for our families in the best use of the word. To, to fight for our kids because, you know, that there's a, there's a fight for the thought life of your kids, Anybody know what I'm talking about? And then we as dads and parents, we have to fight for the thought life of our children. We have to fight, we have to fight for their future. There's things coming against our children as it relates to their future. For them to waste their lives and, and make wrong choices with their life. But we as dads, as fathers, we have to want to fight for our families. Fight for our marriages, for our kids, and for our homes. Third John Chapter 1, John is writing sort of, as I was describing, with this sort of spirit of fatherhood to the church. And he says this, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And this is what we should want, dads, fathers, for our children. We want our kids to walk in truth. In other words, they have to understand truth before they can walk in it. So that's something that we have to be involved with. We have to be helping them to understand how to think about life. And as you know, my, my, my wife and I, we were talking on Mother's Day, that it is difficult to be a parent. There's, it's, it's hard. There's a lot of hard work. And, and sometimes we, you know, we kind of just maybe want to give up because it's a lot of things to think about. There's a lot of training that goes on. But we have to know that apathy is also a choice. If we're just going to be apathetic as parents and not just, oh, you know, this is hard, this is difficult, they've already had this conversation a hundred times. No, we want our kids to walk in truth. This should be our desire, dads, that we want our kids to understand what is true about life, what is true about God, what is, what is true um, for good choices that we want them to make because we want them to experience a good future. So we want our children to walk in truth, but we have to be intentional about this, dads. We have to be on purpose thinking about what our kids 
are thinking about. So we're going to spend a couple minutes here in the book of Proverbs. Now, the book of Proverbs is all about practical wisdom. 31 Proverbs, so one of the recommendations for Bible reading is that you read a proverb a day. Um, And then those months that have 30 days or one that has 28, you can double up a little bit there. But in the book of Proverbs, there's a lot of practical wisdom. And then also a bunch of pitfalls to avoid. So as we go through the book of Proverbs, we can see all of the wisdom that God gives to us. And there's a bunch of wisdom in the book of Proverbs as it relates to parenting, specifically to being a father, that the book of Proverbs, in essence, is about a book about a father writing to his son. Here's some things to think about. Here's some things to do. Here's some things to avoid. Here's some choices to make. So we're going to go through Proverbs this morning a little bit and focus on this idea of being a father. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 1 says, The Proverbs of Solomon, a wise son makes a glad father. But a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother, a wise son, wise child. Now, we want our our children to be making these choices, so we can't necessarily just leave them alone to make those good choices all the time because they won't. We, We want to have wise children. We want to be able to celebrate our children and the choices that are make that they are making. So we're not just teaching them just what to think, but we're teaching them how to think how to think about life and how to go through life in a positive way so that your mother can celebrate you, that you can be glad for the children that you have. Now, my dad always said, um, you know, sometimes your children won't wear the crown that you give to them. We've seen people over the years that have invested in their children, done right by their children, and then their, you know, children make different choices. So they won't always wear that the, crown, the crown that you give them. But that doesn't mean that we don't continue to make that choice even when times are difficult or even, dads, when we make a mistake. Because there's no such thing as a perfect dad. There's no such thing as a perfect father. But when we do make mistakes, when we say the wrong thing or we get too mad sometimes or we we make a mistake, we got to get back up on the horse, dads, and we got to continue to parent. And sometimes we got to ask our children for forgiveness or we got to do something else or we got to continue to pray for our children even when they don't make choices that we like. Now, this is true for fathers and grandfathers. When you are uh, finished being a father, so to speak, and you're an empty nester, you know, you still have a chance uh, to have a relationship with your children. Then you have a chance to have a relationship with your children's children. So fatherhood continues throughout your life. And it is a blessing that God gives to us. So we want, we want to have our children make us glad. So we, we, we don't want to have foolish children. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 26 says, Whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for their children it will be a refuge. Now that word fear, as it relates to God, God doesn't want us to be afraid of him. In other words, cower in fear. But he wants us to reverence him. To honor him. That's what the word fear means there. And so so part of what this is saying to us, dads, is us having a relationship with God produces a refuge or produces a safe place for our kids when we, as dads, decide to serve God. Serving God isn't just for mom. And and you aren't going to serve God the way your wife does. Your wife has a different approach to God and she's a different person and you're a guy, you're a dude. But you still need to love God. 
And that relationship that we have with God produces a safe place for your kids. And part of what we're doing as we have a relationship with God, dads, is that we are modeling for them. See, part of what we're going to look at in the book of Proverbs is things to train our children, but then also things for us as dads that we're going to model for our children. And this is one of the things that we're going to model for our children. What do we want for our kids? Do we want our kids to have a relationship with God? Well, then we need to have a relationship with God. You want your kids uh, to attend church when, when they're older and be a part of the family of God. Well, then you should attend church, not just send them to church with their mother. No, go with them to church, and then you are being a model for them. But dads, you having a relationship with God on your own provides a refuge for your children because then they're watching you serve God, and then they will do the same. Proverbs chapter 3, let's turn over there. Now we're going to look at a bunch of verses here in Proverbs chapter 3. And this whole chapter is about a dad teaching his son. Verse 1, my son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. Now what I like about this thought, it isn't just your head, because we, we can fill our children you know, with information in their head. But there's something about the commands of God that are in their heart. In other words, something that they love to do. And my wife and I were discussing this on Mother's Day. It's, we, we just don't want to give our kids a bunch of information, but we actually want to have a relationship with them. And then so the information that we give them actually goes to their heart. The scripture says that the sweetness of lips increases learning. In other words, the way we say certain things, are we saying things with love and affection and appreciation and acceptance from our kids so that they actually hear what we say? Because if we just say things in anger and if we just say things in frustration, that's no way to anyone's heart. But the commands of God actually sit in our heart, not just our head. So here is the advice to the son. Hey, we, we want to have the, the commands of God in our heart, not just in our head. But keep my commandments in your heart, verse 2, for they will prolong your life many years and bring peace and prosperity. So this is what we desire for our children. We desire them to have peaceful lives, and prosperity just means to, to be successful. We want them to live peaceful lives and successful lives. Isn't that a desire, dads? Dads, are there any dads in the room on Father's Day? Come on, give me a low amen. And we've got an oh yeah over here too, that's good. <coughs> so the commands of God in the hearts of our children, it's going to prolong their lives, and then they will experience peace and prosperity. Verse 3, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. This is something that God wants us to train our children with, love and faithfulness. And back to choices, these are two important choices to train your children. Now, love isn't just a feeling. Love isn't just something, you know, that springs up when we, when we see somebody that we love. But love is difficult. Love is a choice. Biblical, godly love is a choice. And so what we're doing is we're training our children to love even when it's hard. You know, with my, with my two daughters, um, occasionally they all have a disagreement about a thing or two. And lately it's more about clothes, that someone will have borrowed someone else's clothes. 
And in that moment, there can be a lot of anger. There, there can be a lot of anger, just to let you know, with girls in clothes and two teenagers. They can get, you know, get a little bit mean. And, and then so in the middle of all of that, when your sister doesn't seem like somebody that you want to love, what we're going to be training our children to do is even when it's hard, we love. Because that idea, that notion, that thought will stand them in good stead for their future. Future for their spouse. Because you don't necessarily get up every morning and have, you know, angels singing um, at your bed and, and, and your wife and her husband wakes up and they got morning breath and you're like, I don't know if I actually want to love this person today. But godly love goes beyond feeling and it's a choice. And it's not always easy to love. And so we're going to train our children. Even when it's not easy, you are going to love your sister. Even when she borrowed your sweater and didn't ask. You have to love your sister. And you have to work this out. And we've got to get to the end of the anger. We can't let our kids stay in an angry place. We have to teach them that they can be loving and forgive. And then what is the second thing? Faithfulness. We got to teach our kids to be faithful. Now, my wife is huge on this idea. If you're starting something, you are going to finish it. So be careful what you ask for. If you want to sign up for these lessons that go from September till June, in June, you will be in that class. Even if you don't like it, even if you don't like the teacher, even if you think it's stupid... We are going to train you to be faithful because that is going to make a difference in the lives of your children. They have to get beyond their feelings. I feel this and I feel that and I feel that. Great. Here's what we're deciding to do. And we make this decision and then we are going to be faithful because why? It's going to pay off in the long run that their feelings can't be king. How your children feel cannot be the king of your house. Because they're going to feel all kinds of things. And it's going to be up and down. Like, oh, they're feeling oh, they're feeling this. I don't care. This is what we're doing. Why? Because it makes a difference. It's going to make a difference in the long run with their job. When they're decided to be faithful and be committed. Because five years into your career, if you wake up and you don't like your job, and your parents let you quit everything, well, I'm just going to quit even though you've got a mortgage and kids and blah, blah, blah. And i got all these responsibilities, but I don't like it anymore. No, we got to train our kids to go beyond the like. Because why? If they're committed and they're faithful, it's going to make a difference in how they do their jobs. And you want them to have a job. Because they need to move out one day. And you want them to be successful at their job. This just last week, we, we had to... Um, we did water baptism last week. We had like a small leak backstage in the apparatus that, that heats our baptismal tank. So I got a... Uh, a plumber to come in, not the person that did the work because the work that was done apparently wasn't so great. So we got in another plumber. And so this guy came on time. We're like, check one. Took him backstage. He's like, oh, this wasn't installed properly. This needs to be done this way. And this needs to be done the way I'll have a quote to you by the end of the day. I got a quote by the end of the day. That person has been trained to be faithful. And so that person will get a call back one day. The people that installed our stuff in the first place that wasn't done right, they don't get a call back. But where does that start? It starts in the home. 
training our kids to be committed and faithful and on time because all of that is going to make a difference one day in their future because their their future is so important. Isn't your child's future important to you, dads? Should be. See, but the things that they do now, the, the ways that they act now is going to affect their future and who they are in the future and who your children are in the future. Dads, you have a big say in that. What do we want to train them? We want them to be loving. We want them to be faithful. Verse 4, then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Dads, future dads, grandfathers, you want your children to have a good name. You want your child to be the plumber who gets... I mean, if your child doesn't want to be a plumber, that's not what I'm saying. I'm using it as an example. You want your child to be the one that gets the call back. Right? You want them to have a good name. Where does the good name start? A good name starts with you. You training them and showing them things and, and letting them know with this attitude, this thing that I'm seeing right now, this thing doesn't fly. Because I, I love your future right now more than you do. And so this thing you're displaying, this way you're talking, I actually want you to have a good name in the future when you don't live with me. Right now you're borrowing my name. But in the future when you have to make a name for yourself... I want you to be uh, someone who chooses to love, and I want you to be someone who chooses to be faithful and committed and see things through. And all those things will help your children to have a good name. Verse 4, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. It's back to our relationship with God. So what are we going to show our kids? We're going to show them we're going to put our trust in God. We're going to put our trust in God. We, I, am going to have a relationship with God. In all your ways, submit to him. And he will make your paths straight. Teaching our children that submission to God is the best way to live. We want God's ways. The, the one who designed life, God, is the one we follow. We want to do life the way God said to do life, not the way culture said to do life. Listen, culture is changing every two minutes. Have you noticed? And the things that we hated 10 years ago, now we love. And the things that were this 20 years ago, now they're this. And it's this and up and down. No, we want to follow God's ways. God designed life. Let's follow the ways God designed life to to be lived. Let's live it out. So what are we going to do? We're going to submit to God. We're going to train our children to submit to God. Verse 7, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. So what do we do? We train our kids. Well, we're going to honor God. You earn $10 in babysitting. You're going to give a dollar tithe on Sunday. Training our kids. That we're going to honor God. Hey, and so where does it start? It starts in the home. Dad, it starts with you. So we're going to be showing our kids all of these things. Verse 11, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves and as a father, the son, he delights in. Verse 13, now listen. Blessed are those who find wisdom. Those 
who gain understanding, those who find wisdom. So, Dad, a big part of what we're training our children is we want our children to be wise. In other words, what you do today, the choices that you make today, the things you say today, how you act today, the future you is going to have to live with those choices. The future you is going to have to live with those words that you said. Does anyone want to know, anyone want to testify that that's true? Anyone that made any stupid choices in their past know that that's true, right? And so what do we want? We want better for our kids because we made so many mistakes and we made choices that weren't great. We want our kids to avoid those choices. So we teach our kids wisdom. What you do, how you act, what you say today affects your future. So constantly with the eye to the future of your child, because they are not going to stay this age. And and all of you that have newborns, I just want to let you know, eventually they're going to roll. So you can't put them on the the bed anymore when you're in the shower. But they're going to roll off the bed. And then eventually they're going to start to crawl. So you've got to find new ways to imprison them in your house to keep them safe. And eventually they're going to learn to talk. And you're going to be so excited when they, they learn to talk. And then when they're teenagers, you're going to regret that decision. <laughs> but they're not going to stay the same. They're growing up. They're moving forward. Their future is coming. And you want to teach them how to have a good future, how to have a good life. So what do we teach them about? We teach them about wisdom. You are going to have to live in the choices that you make. Blessed are those who find wisdom, who gain understanding. For she, personification of wisdom, she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She, talking about wisdom, is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, left hand in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. By wisdom, so it's talking about wisdom. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge, the watery depths were divided and the clouds let drop the dew. My son, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. Preserve sound judgment and discretion. They will be life for you, an ornament of grace to, to grace your neck. Then you will go on your way in safety and your foot will not stumble. Isn't that what we want for our kids? We want them to make those choices that are safe. We don't want them to be stumbling around. We don't want them to same, make the same mistakes that we did. I know one of the conversations my dad and I used to have specifically around the ping pong table, pretty much in everything that we did, he would always ask me, so what are you going to be when you grow up? What are you thinking about for your future? What about school? What about this? What are the choices that you're going to make? Always with an eye for my future. Always getting me to think about my future. My future was coming. One of the things that my wife and I talked about on Mother's Day, praying with our kids at night. One of the things that I pray with my kids is God, I I pray that you are preparing them for what you have prepared for them. 
that we want the wisdom of God for our kids. We want our kids to walk in the future that God has for them. That is the best future they could ever dream of. The spouse that God has for them is the best spouse they could ever decide on. So we want to talk about those things and we want to prepare them for those things and then we want to pray for those things. James chapter 1 verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. And we don't want that last sentence to describe our kids. We don't want our, our kids to be up and down and unstable. What do we want to train our kids to do? God, we ask you for your wisdom. They need you to, to hear you say it. And they need to hear you pray it. God, I want your plans and purposes for my life. Not just, not just what I want. Your desires, God, for me are better than any desires that I could come up with. Pray and ask God for wisdom. Wouldn't you agree, for those of us that are maybe a little bit older, that if we could have avoided by wise choices some of the landmines that we walk through, some of the difficulties that we walk that were our that were our fault. Don't you think having the wisdom of God for that would have been more beneficial than just making a stupid choice? Just making a choice of desire, an immediate desire, well I feel I want this right now. I could have avoided that or I could have avoided her or I could have avoided this. So what do we want? We want the, the wisdom of God. We want the wisdom of God for our kids. We want the plans of God for our kids. So there's training and there's praying. There's training and there's praying. There's training and there's praying. And when you're tired, there's training and there's praying. And when you're exhausted, there's training and there's praying. And when you don't feel like it, there's training and there's praying. When you've said it a thousand times, you say it a thousand and one. And when you've said it two thousand, we're going for four thousand. I'm going to keep saying this. Because I want God's best for you. I don't, want cult, I don't want you to experience what culture has for you. Because they'll set you up and they will smash you down. I want what God wants for you. The desires of God. Last verse, Hebrews 11. Verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive his inheritance, obeyed and went. Even though he did not know where he was going, by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, who were his heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. 
going to the promised land. The promised land, the idea behind that is God's preferred future for you. And then God's preferred future for your kids. We see three generations, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So grandfathers, you're not done. I mean, you're, you're done with the discipline and you get to buy a lot of ice cream. Trust me, I get to watch this. All the discipline came to me. And my sister got off scot-free. You know what I'm saying? It's, I don't know. And now he just gets to buy ice cream and pretend that he's sweet all of the time. I try to tell my girls, it's like, you don't actually know who grandpa is. He picks you up. He takes you to Tim Hortons and then he takes you to Baskin and Robbins. I got the whole other version of him. But he's not done. He's still investing in my children and my niece and my nephew. And this is what we want, people. We're not just interested in the generation. See, you investing in your, in your family... You're building the kingdom of God. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and you want your name, your kid's name, and you want your grandkids to serve God. It starts today. However old they are, it's not too late. It's not too far gone. You can still talk. You can still pray. You can still invest. Thank God for the gift of fatherhood. Let's just pray this morning. God, we're so thankful for your word today. We're so thankful, Lord, for who you are to us. God, I just pray for all of us fathers and grandfathers in the room today and future fathers. God, I pray that your grace is upon us, that you have gifted us to be dads. God, we take it seriously. We don't let apathy take over our lives. We don't let it's too hard take over our lives but we choose the choice that you have for us, God. We choose the life that you have for us, God. Because you, Lord, want our children and our grandchildren to experience peace and prosperity. And whatever part that we have to play in that, Lord, count us in. We thank you, Lord, for your grace of fatherhood today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.